the patriot and the preacher, where politics and religion do mix, starts right now. Here are your hosts. Welcome everybody to the Patriot and the Preacher. I'm Mark Anthony, your patriot. And I'm Todd Coconado, the preacher. This is going to be a great show. Thanks everybody for joining us. We've got two amazing guests. First of all, we have former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. He's going to yeah. join us to talk about his new book. And we also have, and we're really excited to have him on, he is Larry Elder. And Larry has got a brand new movie out that's starting to upset people, of course. That's what he, well, he upsets people, right, Todd? Because he's, <laughs> yeah. he's telling, he's the, telling truth. the truth. Yeah, exactly. uh, so and, uh, he's going to talk about his movie and what he thinks is going on with BLM and his opinion about current events of the day. With all of this going on right now, we keep hearing about the evils of America. Mm. Yeah. The nation we are and how, you know, we need to, we need to pay for what we've done in the past. As a matter of fact, the BLM has released a list of demands for white people. Chanel Helms, who is the spokesperson for BLM or one of them, uh, white people should give up their home for a black or brown family. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, th I don't think it can get any more blatant than that. Um, and so I really, I want to what do, impress you do when you give up your home, Mark, where do you go? I mean, so then you become homeless. What's the, what, that's the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. Isn't it really? I know it really is. You have to at some point say, so when is this going to end? And, and, you know, I know we keep talking about this, but it keeps coming up is that we're no more responsible for what happened during the Civil War, we just, we aren't responsible at all. We're talking about five, four to five generations ago. Yeah. Um, my family had nothing to do with it. Your family had nothing to do with it. As, fa as a matter of fact, your family, both of our families came from Italy. We didn't even come from here, exactly. Yeah, we how, many, how much of America today didn't, didn't come from here, if you think about it, right? Yeah, we're all immigrants except for the, you know, the Native Americans. Yeah. So everybody, everybody came here with the dream and when I see all this vile that's coming out from BLN and Antifa, as a matter of fact, I saw on Facebook the other day that Antifa is anti-fascist. Well, yeah. just because their name says they're anti-fascist doesn't mean they're, in fact, anti-fascist. They're actually very fascist. They're promoting violence. They're going after people to speak out against them. Please don't be fooled by their name. Well, it's like the bills in Congress, Mark, you know, the Liberty Act, or they, they always name it some great name, and then it's always exactly opposite of what it says. Right, so like it, the Patriot Act, yeah, right? Sure, yeah. you know, the Patriot yeah. Act. So it's the same thing. I mean, they're really good at messaging, and, you know, Black Lives Matter. I saw this viral video, which really caught my attention. You know, a bunch of people out protesting for Black Lives Matter. They were white people. And then a black woman who's a patriot comes and starts, you know, getting into them with facts, you know, and just in, and they're attacking the black patriot. And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, and she's like, well, wait a minute, I thought black lives matter, you know, and they're literally physically assaulting this woman. So it just goes to show you that none of these things are what they seem, Mark. This is not the time to be the silent majority. We need to be very vocal right now. Our country is in the middle of an insurrection, let's face it. And we've got to stand up right now. So stay with us. We're going to be right back. We're going to talk about what's going on in the news. And then we'll be welcoming after that Larry Elder and Newt Gingrich. We're excited. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. It's Mark Anthony. I want to talk to you about my pillow because it's truly changed my life. 
I've had over seven spinal surgeries on my neck and back, and I've never been able to get a good night's sleep. But after trying my pillow, I'm getting the best night's sleep that I've ever had before. Trust me, my pillow has made a believer out of me. I never go anywhere without it. Look, this company has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee, and it's made right here in the USA. My pillow has an amazing offer for our listeners. And if you call 800-851-9287 and use the promo code MARK, you can take advantage of special offers on all of their products. Call right now, 800-851-9287 and use the promo code MARK. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain with the 60-day money-back guarantee. Trust me, my pillow will make a believer out of you. And you know that jingle. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Don't forget to call 800-851-9287 or go to mypillow.com and use the promo code MARK. Welcome back to The Patriot and the Preacher. So let's go through a couple stories that are out there, Todd. One in particular that jumped out at me was that uh, all of the products that are out there, um, all these brands are just rushing to appease and pander to Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter. Yeah. Um, not only are they pandering to them, they're giving, uh, I just read uh, a couple articles that have said over the last eight weeks, Black Lives Matter through Act Blue um, has been given over $1.5 billion. Hmm. And you and I know where that's going to go. It's going to go right. right to the DNC and Biden's presidential election and other federal elections, such as in the Senate and the House. But um, here we go. L'Oreal will remove words like whitening from skin products. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. It's a slippery slope, man. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I come from the retail sector before I, you know, I, I've, I've sat on, you know, company boards and stuff. I know what's going on in that. And, and, you know, this has been going on for a while. I really saw the acceleration, you know, after the, you know, 2000 or so, where it really started advancing. But now we're at a whole nother level with these corporations where I, I speak about this often, Mark, is literally when you go to the corporate offices of any of these companies and they have everybody together, the leadership and whatnot, they, they talk more about social justice issues than they talk about helping the customer and uh, having a, you know, a customer friendly environment. So it's completely shifted. Just go on LinkedIn and just go down your LinkedIn feed and see how these companies have become, you know, so social justice focused. And it has to stop because there are people like us, patriots, that are working at these companies, but they feel totally surrounded, Mark, and it's unfair. And what happened to just being about merit and being about being a good uh, employee that makes the company money and does well for the company? I mean, what happened to that? Now it's all about how much you want to go into, you know, the social justice culture. It's horrible. It is horrible. And, you know, maybe some of these companies should look at Nike's latest earnings report. They lost over $790 million because they went with Colin Kaepernick. And I guess Disney doesn't care because they just signed him up to uh, star in some cartoons and talk to the children about history, which is just utterly ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Colin Kaepernick is, isn't he the... Isn't he the epitome of the victim mentality? But he was somebody raised that, with a white family that took him in. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, made $43 million over his career in the NFL, but much more, with, obviously, with Nike. 
what does he have to talk about oppression for and white supremacy and all the other words they bring up there? They keep saying the same words. They start pointing to people and events that happened over 140, 50 years ago. And none of those things are relevant right now because let's face it. I said this to somebody on Facebook that was spewing this out. They want to look at who's been responsible for this. They can look no further than the Democratic Party. Yeah, that's right. Right. I mean, they formed the KKK. They, they, uh, you know, Margaret Sanger was a eugenist uh, trying to go after African-American people. I mean, it, it just goes on and on and on. Hillary Clinton, uh, she says her mentor was Robert C. Byrd, who was an exalted cyclops of the KKK. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it, people try to say there was this big switch, but Dinesh D'Souza did a really good job of pointing that out in his movie that that's absolutely not the case. This is the same party. They're still doing this. They're pushing an entitlement culture. They, they run pretty much every minority community in the country. And it's the same nonsense when it comes to voting season. We want your vote. But then after the election, what do they do to make things better, Mark? Not one thing. They haven't. And <laughs> there's so many points in history, like you just said, that they prove who they are by their conduct, not what they say. It's their actions that matter. And we've seen this time and time again. They're trying to rewrite history so we don't, we don't use their history against them. Um, you know, maybe a lot of people are wondering, and Larry's talked about this. Um, as a matter of fact, next week, we're going to have David Barton on to talk about what's happened in the schools and why it's so easy to brainwash these students that are walking around as willing accomplices for um, Antifa and BLM. But, you know, in Michigan colleges, <clears throat> the most assigned text at Michigan colleges, Todd, do you want to guess what it is? <laughs> Enlighten me, Mark. <laughs> the Communist Manifesto of by course. Karl Marx. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And remember, so you have to, that's why there's no pushback from them, hardly at all, on the virtues of America because they've been brainwashed over the years to believe that Karl Marx had it right, which yeah. is why, you know, all the statues have been pulled down in Seattle yep. except for the statue of Lenin. Wow. Right? That's very telling. It's yeah. very telling. It's very telling. Um, so before, if you may think that, you know, we're not making any of this up. We get, our, we get our news sources from lots of different outlets. And I wanted to just end it with this because I think this just says everything because now they're pandering to the BLM students. Right. Um, so <laughs> I can't believe this. University of Washington students are demanding – that black students should not face difficult exams, time constraints. You don't want to know why? Because they're too busy fighting for the rights to sit down and study. Right, right, yeah. So yeah. They, sh- they should be left alone, really, to go and loot and riot, and they're not peaceful protesters. But, see, the schools are validating them. The, the press is validating them. And, and what party is validating them right now? The liberal Democrats. This is dangerous, Mark. I just saw on a social media group that, the, you know, there's literally groups of African-American people that are kind of like the Black Panthers. They're yeah. coming through neighborhoods now in certain states. And it's almost like, uh, you know, I mean, there's been white people that are being beat up just they were on the street randomly, right. you know. And I mean, you know, we're, we're look, I have so many African-American friends that I love. You know, we, we've been in, in relationship for years. I mean, we've never had to deal with any of this type of thing. This is a, a polarization. This 
This is a weaponized system that's being pushed on us as Americans right now to be divided and to cause us this. They're, they're pushing us towards a civil war. We have to wake up and understand the spiritual dynamic with this, Mark, because this is a battle between light and darkness. And this is a lie from the pit of hell, from the pit of hell. And if people are buying into this, you have to pray and ask the Lord to give you the wisdom and the discernment to see what this is from a spiritual standpoint, because otherwise where we're going, there's no turning back. That's absolutely correct. Amen, Todd. That's right. There is, this, is not, this is not something, if we go off this cliff, we can't turn around and, re, and undo what's about to happen. Well, and, and let me just say this, Mark, because these, these people that I'm talking about going through the neighborhoods and people I know, like you said, it sounds like this is crazy, but this is actually happening. They have weapons. And, you know, if people are attacked and there's weapons and AR-15s and all these different things involved, what I'm seeing here, Mark, is what if the first shot is fired? You know, what if, what if the people with those weapons, what if the people come out of their house and start firing? You know, what's going to happen? We're going to escalate to a whole nother level. And I think that's what the left wants. They want an escalation. They're pushing it daily with their very divisive rhetoric. And so we need to wake up now. This is a moment, a warning moment, Mark. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better, Todd. You're absolutely right. And that's why it's imperative that we start to get active and start standing up and being vocal and, and, and just remember what, what it, the Bible says 365 times in the Bible, fear not. We cannot be afraid. We need to be bold and courageous because this is literally our last stand as a country right now. We are, uh, we're going to be right back with Newt Gingrich and then right after that, Larry Elder. So stay with us. Mr. President, welcome to the show. I love the name of your show. I will be a good Christian. You're going to be very proud of me and I certainly will also be a good patriot. It's a great name for a show. I heard you have a great show and thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. President. We appreciate that very much and it has been an honor to have you on the show. We're back with the Patriot, the Preacher. We're excited to have Larry Elder join us again. As most people have heard, he has a brand new movie out that's smashing records. Uncle Tom. Larry, thanks for coming back on. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you. You have, uh, you're doing it again. You got this movie out there. There's a lot of talk about it. Tell the listeners, first of all, what the movie's about and how it's being received. The movie is called Uncle Tom, and it's about the crap that people like Larry Elder, Candace Owens, oh. Herman Cain, Alan West get for simply suggesting maybe, just maybe, given how bad things have been going on, especially in the inner city, maybe, just maybe, we ought not be throwing our lot in with the Democratic Party to the tune of 95% every single election. Maybe, just maybe, the party that wants to give the urban parent an option out of a bad, underperforming government school, uh, and that party's Republican Party, maybe that party is something that you ought to look at. The polls show that black and brown parents living in the inner city recognize that their local schools are bad and they want an option out. It turns out that white Democrats who wouldn't put their kid in, a, in, a, in an inner city school on a bet do not want, uh, want uh, options, do not want vouchers. Uh, same thing with porous borders. There's all sorts of studies that show illegal aliens, particularly those who are unskilled, uh, post threat of jobs that would otherwise be held by unskilled black and brown Americans and puts downward pressure on their wages to the tune of almost $2,000 a, a year. Uh, and then we're talking about, you know, ridiculous programs like raising taxes on rich people. My father was a janitor. He had two full-time jobs as a janitor. My dad always told me he never got a job from poor people. I don't know why it is that the left believes you can just jack up money, jack up money, and jack up money on rich people, and they'll still hire just as many people. They'll buy just as many things. They won't. And, so, right. and so when you have people like Walter Williams, the esteemed economist, and Thomas Sowell, both of whom are in my movie, 
uh, and they've both been around for decades, and you have inner city people, and not even non-inner city people. They don't even know who he is. There is a magazine called Ebony, probably the most prestigious magazine for blacks for a while. It's no longer it has its clout that it used to, but it was on every, every black person's coffee table. It was always on my coffee table when I was growing up. And every year they had a feature called the 100 Most Influential Black Americans. And every year you will not find on that list Clarence Thomas. You will not find on that list Thomas Sowell. You will not find on that list Walter Williams. About Thomas Sowell, David Mamet, the playwright, said that Thomas Sowell is America's greatest contemporary philosopher, not historian, not economist, philosopher. That is how deep and profound Thomas Sowell is. And yet you have a whole generation of Americans, particularly black Americans, who don't even know who the hell he is. Wow. He's been talking about these kinds of things I've been talking about, like the marriage of women to the welfare state. Yes. Uh, he's been arguing for decades that the welfare state has incentivized women to marry the government and incentivize men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. Now, he'd been making that argument for decades. Suppose he'd been at the table saying that to some people. Maybe some things might be a little different. Wow. Well, uh, Larry, welcome to the show. It's Pastor Todd. I just want to thank you for all the hard work you're doing out there. It's truly amazing. And uh, I, I have a question uh, kind of along the lines of what you're just talking about. So a pastor friend called me from Los Angeles, and he has about 60% uh, African-American congregation. And he said, you know, Todd, I need some, some information because, you know, our, our congregation thinks that Donald Trump is racist. They think that, you know, the police are the biggest problem that the African-American community is facing here in the United States. And he says, you know, I need numbers. I need statistics. And I said, guess what? Larry Elder is going to be on our show this week. And I think he's given the absolute best answer to that that I've ever heard. Could you speak to that pastor and others like him that are listening? I, I don't want to tout my own products as I'm about ready to tout my own products. But on, on YouTube, I've got an Epic Time video. Epic is E-P-O-C-H. Right. And it's all about this assertion that Donald Trump is racist. I put it up about three or four months ago. It's got 1.4 million hits last time I looked at it. And it goes over all the BS. Every single scurrilous charge you can think about Donald Trump, I address it. The allegation that one time uh, he said that he didn't want black people handling his money. That was said by some guy he fired who wrote some book. Nobody else could corroborate it. Uh, the business about him not wanting to rent to black people. He was 26, 27 years old running his dad's business. They entered into uh, a consent decree that they would uh, no longer engage in whatever practice it was. It is not uncommon for a large landlord to be sued by somebody claiming that they were discriminated against. By the way, the New York Times that reported on it has been, had been sued for, uh, ra for uh, racial discrimination. The Washington Post is currently in a lawsuit for racial discrimination. CNN is. So all these companies reporting on Donald Trump's a lawsuit are all engaged in lawsuits themselves over people, employees, current and past, that claim that they were uh, discriminated against. Should we assume that CNN and, and uh, Washington Post and New York Times are racist? I mean, grow up. Uh, what's the other thing he's, he's allegedly said? I, uh, anyway, all of them are addressed. And I talk about the things he's done. My goodness, the economy, lowest economy, lowest unemployment for blacks in history. Doing something about porous borders. You've got an economist named George Borjas. He's probably done more work on the impact of, e of illegal immigration than anybody else. And he says, there's no question that illegals put downward pressure uh, on the wages that would otherwise be higher if they weren't there and pose threat for jobs that, that would be held by black people if they weren't there. Uh, and Donald Trump is doing something about it. The Democrats want porous borders because eventually they want illegal aliens to become citizens because they, they know that 75% of them are going to vote uh, for the Democratic Party. I've always made the argument that if illegal aliens turn voters would vote Republican, 
the borders would be would be shut uh, tighter than the clans behind yesterday mm -hmm. because they no longer would, man would be manufacturing voters. Same thing about this movement to make Washington, D.C. a state. Do you really believe that these Democrats would vote for that if they thought it would produce two Republican senators? Hell no. Same no. thing for um, uh, you know, allowing uh, felons to vote. If it weren't for the case that they believe, as in Philadelphia, as in Florida, they just now passed a, a bill that allows uh, convicted felons uh, out of prison now to vote. Over a million of them can now register to vote. Do you think they're going to vote Republican? I don't. That's why they push for the bill. Anyway, all these things are hurting uh, black people. Uh, and Donald Trump comes in. He pardoned Jack Johnson for crying out loud, the first black heavyweight champion. Even mm -hmm. Obama didn't do that. He pardoned Alice Johnson, the woman that had the very long drug sentence. He's allowed the First Step Act to have a bunch of people take a look at their sentences, and over a thousand, uh, mostly uh, over a thousand people, most of them black males, have had their sentences reduced an average of 75 months. He's increased spending on historically black colleges. He's increased spending on so-called enterprise zones. Uh, and for crying out loud, he supports choice in school. And I can't think of any issue more important than that. You guys, I went to Quinshaw High School. That was a high school featured in Boys in the Hood. Three hmm. percent of kids can do math at grade level at wow. my former high school. Uh, and it's also a school that's controlled by the Crips. I know that because Ice-T went to my high school years after I did and told me he chose it because he wanted to go to a school that's controlled by the Crips. Now, you're a mom or a dad. You're living in a geographical area of that school. You are mandated to send your kid who just graduate, graduated from middle school to a school where only 3% of the kids can do math at grade level, and it's run by the Crips, and the Republican Party wants to give you an option out, and I'm pulling my lever for the Democratic Party. What's wrong with me? Jeez. Mm. It's yeah. So, Larry, you've, you've talked about this on your on your TV appearances, but you see so many people out there, both white, black, whatever the color may be, that are getting behind BLM as if they're the solution to this problem. And, right. we, all, and we all know that, that their funding is coming from various sources that are not friendly to this country. They're Marxist. They really, this has gone beyond George Floyd. What do you have to say to the people that think that Black Lives Matter actually cares about black lives? Boy, uh, this is a family show, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but take it away because I think people need to hear the truth. That's right. The, well, first, the, first of all, the whole thing is premised on a falsehood, and the falsehood is that the police are engaging in institutional, systemic, structural racism. Choose your favorite word, and the mm -hmm. data shows the opposite. The fact is that the police are not disproportionately killing blacks because of racism. The fact is the police are in the hood uh, because the crime rate is higher than in the suburbs. And in the average young black man is eight times more likely to be murdered than a young white man. That's why the cops are there. As far as the allegation about uh, police abuse, uh, there's a black Harvard economist named Rowling Fryer. He is so brilliant, he became Harvard's youngest tenured professor ever. Uh, his specialty is economics. And he just knew that the police were, in fact, using deadly force disproportionately against black people. And he was kind of surprised that there was no study corroborating this. So he decided to do one. Lo and behold, he found out not only were the police not engaging uh, in abusive behavior against blacks, but that the police were more hesitant, more reluctant to pull the trigger against blacks than they were against whites. Same thing corroborated by massive study. Look at every shooting in 2015, every shooting in 2016, published in a journal put out by the National Academy of Sciences, and they found the same thing. It's just not true. CDC, uh, over the last 70, of the last 50 years, the percentage at which the police have killed blacks has declined 75%, while the percentage at which the police kill whites has pretty much flatlined. 
Washington Post last year, nine unarmed black men shot and killed, altogether 15 unarmed blacks killed by the police, 19 unarmed whites shot and killed. I defy you guys to name one because the media doesn't give a rip. It's only, they only care when an unarmed black person gets killed, and generally speaking, only when it's killed by a, by a white cop. Otherwise, they don't have the narrative. Right. Uh, you look at a city like, like uh, Baltimore. That's where Freddie Gray died in 2015. Remember, he was in police custody, hit his head in the van. Right. Six officers got prosecuted. Okay, let's look at the lineup. The state attorney who brought the charges against the six officers was black. Three of the six officers was black. A judge before whom two of the officers tried the case was black. All the city council of Democrats, majority black. The mayor was black. The number one and number two people running the police department black. By the way, the U.S. AG at the time, Loretta Lynch, black, as was the president of the United States. And we're talking about institutional racism? I remember what Wanda Sykes, the comedian, said after Obama got inaugurated. She said, how are you going to complain about the man when you are the man? Right. <laughs> Notice I was using my Hillary, uh, Hillary Clinton black accent. You guys like that? <laughs> that southern uh, accent she does. That was good. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I thought I sounded too much like Mitt Romney. I'm trying to get a little more real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, Larry, in, in places like Chicago, you know, one of the, the themes that we notice here, all these cities are run by Democrats, like you had mentioned. And, you know, they're promising that this time they're going to come with some new solution or something is going to change. And people buy it, too. People buy it. But, you know, you just mentioned something, and it was so true, is, is that less than 1% of, of the death rate in the African-American community is from police violence. So what, you know, what are the biggest issues facing the black community, and how can we actually fix these problems? Because that's what we want to do. We want to see true solutions. Well, well that's what my, my documentary, Uncle Tom, is all about. But i got to say something real quickly about Chicago. Chicago, you're absolutely right. These cities are all run by Democrats. And look at Chicago. Look at all the left-wing firepower they have. They got Father Flager, the anti-gun guy. They got Bill Ayers, uh, who's, in whose bedroom Obama launched his career. He's now this uh, big-time educator. Uh, they've got Obama, of course, he's adopted the town. They've got Rahm Emanuel. Uh, they've got Jesse Jackson. They got uh, Father, they got Louis Farrakhan. All these left-wing fire, left firepower. Why isn't Chicago a shining city on a hill? Good question. Yeah. Now, regarding the real problems, the real problem is, as I mentioned in the documentary, the real problem, the fundamental problem going on in the black community is the fact that 70% of black kids are raised without dads. Mm -hmm. And forget about elder, because elder is a conservative. He can be discredited. Barack right. Obama said a kid raised without a father is five times more likely to be poor and, and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in jail. Now, the question is, how do we go from 25% out of wedlock birth in 1965 to 75% now? And the answer is the welfare state has incentivized women, as I've said, to marry the government and allow men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. We're not even discussing that. And the reason we're not discussing that is because the left would then have to repudiate everything they believe in. And they have to apologize for what they've done. They can't do that. So now we have to deal with the consequences. And you have a bunch of black boys growing up without fathers. They've, they've been fed all this BS about how the police are racist against them. <clears throat> Their dukes are up when, they, when the police encounter them. They're far more likely to be confrontational. And, and why not? After all, if you believe a cop is going to do something bad to you, why be cooperative? And so you have all of this nonsense that has been driven by the left, by Democrats, 
because they want to make sure blacks are pissed off because the more angry they are, the more likely they're going to go in there and pull that lever for the Democratic Party. They're going to ignore what Larry said about vouchers, ignore what Larry said about crime, ignore what Larry said about raising taxes on rich people. And all they're going to be concerned about uh, is the white man done me wrong, the white man's continuing to do me wrong. And that's what the Democrats have done. And I find it, I find it extremely offensive and obnoxious. And, it, and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm outraged by it. I really am. I'm outraged by Joe Biden lying once again about having been arrested uh, to go and see Nelson Mandela. He said that months ago. It was discredited. Now he says it again. He's been lying about the civil rights record. He said that for decades, I marched and I worked to desegregate uh, restaurants and theaters in Wilmington. Zero evidence that he did it. Why? Go ahead. Lie to black people. Get them angry because they're going to go in there and pull the lever for me. It doesn't matter what I say to them because they're, they're, because they're that stupid. They're that reactive. That's how they feel. And it pisses me off. If you were talking to the president right now, what would you tell him he needs to focus on to to win over the independents and strengthen his base? You know, I'm not sure what kind of advice I could give him, given the fact that everything he does goes through the filter of CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, LA Times, and they hate his guts. It doesn't matter. I'm watching the evolution of this Russia uh, paying the Taliban. First it was President Trump was briefed and didn't do anything. Then it was, okay, he wasn't briefed, but why wasn't he briefed? And then it was, it wasn't brief because the intel wasn't corroborated. You mean you only give him corroborated intel? I mean, it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. So um, I'm hoping that once this, this coronavirus pandemic thing calms down, uh, people go back to work, uh, his numbers come back up, uh, Joe Biden and he will have three debates. If, if Joe Biden stumbles and mumbles, as I expect he will, maybe just maybe Donald Trump can pull this thing out. But I got to tell you, it's going to be more difficult this time than last time. And last time was miraculous for three primary reasons. They hate, hate, hate him with a purple passion, the likes of which I've never seen. And I think it's for a couple of reasons. The first is he's an easy guy to hate if you're a Republican. You hate Republicans anyway. This guy gives you a lot of ammunition. But plus the media made him. They put him on early. He got hundreds of millions of dollars in free advertising because they just assumed he was a joke and was going to implode. Oh, my God, he didn't. And And then he took him on and called him fake news. What's the old adage? Ever since I was a kid. Uh, I've always been interested in newspapers. And I remember the adage, never make an enemy out of somebody that can buy ink uh, by the barrel. This right. man has made an enemy out of people who can buy an industry ink by a barrel. He, he made an enemy out of, out of an industry that can buy ink out of a barrel. And he's pissed off all of them. And they hate him. So the second reason is they got plenty of money thanks to the Donald Trump economy. And the third reason is he is not going to be underestimated this time. Hillary just thought of him as a joke. She didn't set foot in Wisconsin, as you know. They're not going to do that this time. They're going to pour the money in. They're going to make sure that all the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed. So it's going to be extremely difficult for him to, to get reelected uh, this time than last time. Yeah, it is. That's, yeah. that's true. That is, that is the bottom line, as they say. This is going to be a, a battle like no, none other that we've seen, for sure. Can you imagine a couple more left-wing people on the Supreme Court and you have this whole uh, cancel culture, I call it a revenge culture, ready to be unleashed, and, it's, and God forbid they should take control of the Senate? Uh, I, I'm moving to Fallujah. Because <laughs> it might be safer. Yeah, exactly. it, it actually might be safer. Yeah, because Kamala Harris has already said, we're coming for you, oh, those yeah. that supported Donald Trump, and they all feel that way. And it looks like she's on the short list for VP. And think about it. This guy doesn't know where he is half the time. So whoever is uh, his running mate has a good chance of becoming the president. 
So this is, people always say, you know, the VP matters. You want to get a VP who's just one heartbeat away, yada, blah, et cetera. But they usually find, try somebody who can just get them elected. In this case, the chances of whoever it is who's VP becoming president, I think, are really, really high. So we really also need to pay attention to the left-wing politics of the person of color, because he's pressured to have somebody of color now uh, right. who's going to be VP running mate. So it's whoever it is is going to push him further to the left. Do you think it's? Do you think it's actually the rumors are circulating out there? Do you think it's possible that he would pick Michelle Obama? No, no. no. Michelle Obama does not have the stomach for politics. She doesn't like it. She kept complaining all the time in the White House about politics. She she doesn't have the fire in the belly. She never wanted uh, Barack to run for Senate uh, at first. Um, try to talk him out of it. So no, she's just not instinctively a politician. She likes being admired. Uh, getting down there, having to make a decision, pissing off 40% of the people by definition, no matter what decision you make, that's not her. No, she's, she's not going to run. That's a relief. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, Larry, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. That's right. Yeah. Make yeah. sure you go out and see the movie Uncle Tom, and it is going to just, I mean, amazing film. Thank you so much for putting this together, Larry. We're praying for you. We appreciate what you're doing, man. My pleasure. Don't forget Uncle Tom merch as well. Be the first in your hood to wear an Uncle, Uncle Tom t-shirt if you have the cash <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, thank you, Larry. Hi, everyone. It's Janice Dean, the weather machine. I am so proud to know the Patriot and the Preacher, and I listen to you guys every single weekend, and you should too. They come into America. Welcome back to the Patriot and the Preacher. We're excited to welcome back a guest that's been on many times before. He is the former Speaker of the House, and he's the host of Newt's World Podcast, the author of over 40 books, including his latest, Trump in the American Future, Solving the Great Problems of Our Time. Mr. Speaker, welcome back to the show. I'm delighted to to be back, and uh, these are certainly extraordinary times we're living through, so I think there's a lot to focus on and a lot to talk about. Yeah, there really is. Now, let's get to your book first. You, I really enjoyed reading it. It's a great book, another great book. Yeah. You said that this election represents the most decisive choice for Americans since the election of 1860, which is when Abraham Lincoln was elected. Why is this election as serious now? Well, I think if you look at the... Biden, Pelosi, Schumer team, and think of it as one single team. And you imagine how radical they would be if they had the House, Senate, and White House. Uh, I think they represent such a profound change in America. Within a year or two, we will be, you know, a very, very different kind of country. And I think um, we have not seen that big a choice or that big a difference, I think, since the election of 1860 with Abraham Lincoln. Uh, and you and you see this if you, you know, when you have a governor Cuomo say that he thinks tearing down statues is fine because it makes people feel better. Uh, you have the mayor of Seattle saying that taking over six blocks of her city could lead to the summer of love. Um, the, the whole process of just sort of spinning out of control. The Democrats in the House, 207 of them voted uh, to give a $1,200 bonus to every illegal immigrant in the country as sort of stimulus money, um, things that the American people would probably regard as not very clever because it certainly sends a signal to the rest of the world, why don't you try to go to the U.S. and get some money? Uh, yeah. So I, I just think we would, we'd, we'd be shocked. Uh, and I, that's part of why I wrote Trump, 
in the future of America. Is I, th- I want uh, I wanted people to see just how big, how dramatic a change this would be. Mr. Speaker, you, we've all been talking about their ideology. You just mentioned that they hate the police. They want to defund the police. They want to tear down the statues. And these massive protests against the policeman misconduct with George Floyd is really tearing this nation apart. I mean, there's over 30 cities that are in civil unrest. Um, Every night there's a new story. How can we bring back um, how can we bring back uh, law and order into this country so that we have we have peace again? Well, I think you have to enforce the law. I mean, you're not you're not dealing with people who are confused. Uh, you're dealing with people who hate America and people who want to uh, destroy the country and then say so openly. I mean, basically say, you know, as as one of the leaders of Black Lives Matter said yesterday. You don't give us what we want. We're going to burn the structure, of the whole system down. Um, and I think that we we really have to recognize th- these are people who want to salute, they want to fight, they want to tear down statues, uh, they want to they want to decide what the law is based on them, not based on the law. And uh, you had the same experience in, in Seattle when they took over the six acre, the six blocks around the, the police precinct station. They were setting up an armed camp where basically the guy with, you know, the guy with the gun told you what to do and you did it because you were afraid. Not, not, not because the community made a decision, but because you were afraid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I do think this is a real crisis. I think if we don't get the country back under control, uh, that we are really faced with uh, very, very big challenges. That's right. Mr. Speaker, Pastor Todd here. First of all, I just want to thank you for your many years of service to our nation. Truly appreciate you, sir. Uh, read your book, and I think it's an amazing book. I highly recommend it. Uh, wasn't really expecting. I mean, obviously, you always write good books, but this one is really phenomenal. And uh, I wanted to talk about something you said, the battle that's going on in social media. So it kind of beats the national media. And uh, President Trump, you know, just kind of had his first rally, and there's all kinds of criticism from the mainstream corporate media as usual. But what needs to be the message as the president is ramping up the campaign? What needs to be his core message, sir? Well, I look, I think he has to do three things. He has to get the economy growing again so people are going back to work. So there's a sense of optimism that eventually next year we'll get back to the kind of amazing economy we had in February. Second, I think he has to define clearly the threat of the Biden-Pelosi-Schumer team and what they would do if they had total power. And then third, uh, I think that he has to uh, really uh, take seriously uh, offering a whole series of visionary new programs, you know, the right kind of tax cuts, the right kind of infrastructure, the freedom of choice in terms of schools, things that people look up and go, yeah, that's what I want. So you make a, you have a real choice between where Trump would take you and where Biden, Pelosi, and Schumer would take you. I think, I think those three things are the key to the whole campaign. That's right. Mr. Speaker, you covered COVID-19. A lot of it was happening right as you were writing this book. And what have you learned since the book has been published? What do you think the, the American people really need to focus on in this with this pandemic right now? Well, I, I think people need to realize that you, you have to be careful. Uh, I, I don't think the, uh, 
the media telling everybody that you know you were magically protected as long as you were protesting. So you 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 couldn't go to church because that was dangerous, but you you could go out and be part of fifty thousand people in the street, and that would be fine. And I suspect that's part of the the uh, the jump in COVID cases in the last week or so, that it's just gradually working their way through the system. But I th- do think the social distancing, uh, being careful, understanding uh, when you're in a situation where you need to wear a mask, all those things are real. And I think that uh, we have to recognize that we're, we're not out of the woods yet. I mean, we, there's still too, way too many cases of COVID occurring. And uh, it's going to take more work, I think, to ultimately uh, deal with it. That's right. Uh, Mr. Speaker, when you were in, in the House, things were a little bit different. It seemed like there was a little bit more uh, ability to cross the aisle. Now the left has really taken a radical left turn. Uh, you know, from your view of watching the, the way that our country has developed over the last many years, what do you think of the left today? Or how radical are they? Well, I think they're very radical. But, you know, I've been, I've been going back and reading about the late 60s, early 70s, because these are really just the next generation of the same leftward movement. And you often find relationships uh, that, 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 that are cut across, starting really with Marcuse at Berkeley uh, about 1961, and then just keeps building and building. Uh, the last big wave, which ended in, in 71, 72, at one point we had 2,500 bombings. I mean, the, you know, we, had, we had huge problems. Uh, we had Black Panthers whose explicit goal was to kill policemen. Um, and so, you know, eventually uh, the average American got fed up with it and we clamped down and um, it, all, it all seemed to go away. But what it actually did is it went to college campuses. So you now had, uh, I, I do a free newsletter at Gingrich 360 and uh, I wrote last week about the idea that we've had three generations of brainwashing. So you end up with, a, for example, radicals in the New York Times who are so offended by allowing one conservative senator to publish an article that uh, they insist on firing the editor because it's just such a horrible concept to actually have a conservative uh, article in the New York Times. Well, those folks all represent several generations of left-wing education. And uh, Ronald Reagan used to say, it isn't what they don't know that's frightening, it's what they know that just isn't true. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right, and that, and that's therein lies the problem. And none of those none of those people out there really understand our history. They have been brainwashed for such a long time, Mr. Speaker. In all your years that you've been watching politics and current events, have you ever seen such a divide in this country? Um, not at the top. I mean, as I said, I think the the radicalism of the late sixties. Was, uh, was the direct forerunner of where we are right now. But I don't think, I can't remember any time, and, and this is why I compare this year to the election of 1860 when you, you, you did have a genuine deep split about the future of the country. Uh, I think that the, the hostility, you know, when, when Nancy Pelosi um, says the Republicans killed George Floyd, now, you know, first of all, it's, it's a horrible thing to say about an entire party. Second, uh, he's killed in a Democratic city with a Democratic county commission and a Democratic governor. But it's the nature of where we are right now that Pelosi ignores all the facts just to, you know, to try to smear Republicans, uh, exactly as it did with Kavanaugh in, in the, uh, right. uh, when he was nominated to be a justice. So 
I, I think that the level of bitterness and hostility at the very top is something that we have not seen and that is really uh, quite remarkable, frankly. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really yeah. is. Mr. Speaker. And, and that's, and that's partly why I wrote the book. I, I wanted to put into Trump and the American future all of the arguments and all of the facts that somebody on our side would need in order to go out and be able to make the case uh, for why winning this election is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Because right, right now the polls are showing that he's far, far behind in many battleground states. Do you, do you think that's a lot of manipulation from the mainstream media right now? Or is that, is, um, is that a... Yeah, in, 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 in part. But I think, I think uh, frankly, having Biden hide in the basement helps him. Uh, you know, people don't see how weak he is or how bad his memory is or how often he makes mistakes. So the longer they can keep him hidden, the better he'll do. Uh, and uh, the, pre- the president right now is sort of caught up in day-to-day governing when he needs to be thinking about how to communicate the great choices of this election. Yeah. And uh, I think once he starts communicating that, everything will fall in place very, very fast. That's right. Mr. Speaker, uh, one of our audience questions that they wanted us to ask you is, will the American people see justice uh, for some of the people that have broken, clearly broken laws on the Democrat side? Well, it depends on which people they're talking about. <laughs> I think they, they're, you know, they're, they're referring to a lot of the Russian collusion, uh, you know, the fight. Yeah, well, I, I, my impression, and we'll know better when, when uh, the uh, U.S. attorney for Connecticut reports, but I think the reason that, that he was assigned this was to see whether or not there was enough evidence to justify uh, to trying these guys uh, on, uh, under a series of criminal charges. And I think, uh, I think this attorney general is very, very serious. That he's not a guy that uh, I would in any way take lightly. And I think he did that as a very methodical uh, you so remember he what he's a, he used to be this, the attorney general before so this is all the same stuff. That's right. That's right. Okay, Mr. Speaker, thank you so much for joining us. The name of the book is Trump in the American Future: Solving Great Problems of Our Time. We appreciate you coming back on. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, right. sir. Thank you. Mr. President, welcome to the show. I love the name of your show. I will be a good Christian. You're going to be very proud of me, and I certainly will also be a good patriot. It's a great name for a show. I heard you have a great show, and thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. President. We appreciate that very much, and it has been an honor to have you on the show. Welcome back to The Patriot, The Preacher. It was great to have us. Uh, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich John, and then, of course, Larry Elder. No, he, he's great. I mean, I love Larry Elder, and the man is just so informed. He's a go-to for me. I, I look up to the man. I, I'm just so thankful for what he does. Me too. Yeah, he's a great man. He's a great patriot, somebody that speaks the truth, which is why he gets bashed so often by the left, because he oh, yeah. won't stick to their narrative. And you know, he's having fun while he's doing it. That's the, the funny thing, man. Absolutely. <laughs> if you, we, we really couldn't let the audience hear all the outtakes, but he had us laughing the whole time. Um, he's, <laughs> he's very funny, very funny. Um, so you're right. He has a good time doing it, which is important. You should enjoy what you're doing. Right. You know, when, um, as we were closing out the news, we hit on something that was really important. We've got, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom, as most people know, has, has said that it's against the law for churches to sing now. Uh, before it was playing instruments, now it's singing. Um, and, you know, I know that if we had said, if somebody had said this to us three months ago, this is all going to happen 
we would have said, you're insane. That's never going to happen in this country. But it does show you how quickly, what a slippery slope it's become, right? Right. Oh, the slope is slippy. <laughs> I don't know it what is. else we could say. It's like those slip and slides when you're a kid, man. I mean, right. here we are, you know, if you would have told somebody in December where we would be today, like you said, they would be, yeah, right. There's no way. Here we are. And I, I just want to say, Mark, I did a video on uh, Facebook on, on my Todd Coconado page, and uh, you can follow it, Real Todd Coconado Facebook. And, you know, I, I was so passionate about this, man. It's, it's actually got out there and kind of gone viral because – I cannot even believe. Now, first of all, any Christian that says okay to not worshiping, let me tell you, the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So that is going against the word of God. No one can capitulate. No one can go along with this. If you do go along with it, if your pastor goes along with it, now I'm not saying, you know, you got to be mean or rude or anything, but you got to really question if you're meant to be at that church because Agreed. no pastor should be saying, no, we're not going to worship. And I think there's a lot of people that are waking up to the fact that, you know, they went along with the shutdown. They went along with the different things things. But now they're seeing like, okay, you know what? We can't go along with this. And I'm happy to see that Mark, because pastor, I mean, I don't know any church actually didn't have worship. In fact, I was watching a bunch of streams on Sunday just to see kind of how it played out. People were worshiping with all their hearts and thank you Jesus for that because we can never go along with this as Americans. If we do, that's the end of our freedoms. That's the end of our liberties. We have to push back and say, no, Mark. I totally agree, Todd. I mean, just everybody go look at the first amendment. There's a reason why uh, we have the freedoms, not just freedom of speech, but the freedom to worship, to assemble and worship God. That is, and there's, that's there for a specific person purpose, excuse me, because we know for a fact that our founders were led by the voice of God, were led right. by the Holy Spirit. They, we would not be here today if it not for the faith of those 56 men and those men that were willing to risk everything as they did 244 years ago. To, to go up against the most powerful nation on earth and to say, we're done. This is what we want. Remember, every demand in there came from a sermon during that time. And so they were referencing the Bible. They were referencing um, their faith, and they meant it. And the reason we know they meant it is that they risked everything. There are so many people, um, John Roberts, who was um, – who was actually not the not the one we right, had the Supreme Court, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but there was there was a merchant um, who people don't know that much about, and David Barton's going to talk about this next week. Is um, most people know he's been called America's historian by Time Magazine. The guy has a better collection, second only to the Smithsonian, on Revolutionary War um, memorabilia. So he does know a lot. There were you know there were merchants beyond let's say Ben Franklin, who before he mm -hmm. left for France, gave $7 million of today's money to the war effort. Yeah. Or John Roberts, who on his own credit got, got the necessary arms, bullets, guns, so that we could keep fighting. So if you want to talk about all in, those men were all in. They didn't care. That's why they said, we pledge our lives our fortunes and our sacred honor. They knew they were going to be hunted down. That's why that most of them didn't stay any, any place more than two days. They fled, they left their homes, came back to find them burned down and their families scattered. So mm. we have to remember that we need to be that committed as yeah. they were 244 years ago, because it's that important right now. It's just as important. We're fighting not an invisible enemy. It's an, this is, as you said, this is a spiritual battle and it's a battle with people that truly hate 
this country, Todd. They hate this nation. They hate what we stand for. And now we're seeing the culmination of their plans that have been in motion for 15, 20 years or more to do exactly what's happened right now. If we don't stand up and Joe Biden wins, that's the point of no return. That's right. It's absolutely the case. I couldn't have said it better, Mark. You're absolutely right. President Trump stood at Mount Rushmore and gave one of the best speeches of his political career the other day. He talked about Theodore Roosevelt. He talked about uh, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. And what I love so much about that speech is half of it was a history lesson. And I think that was so strategic. And why he did that is because our history is being robbed from us. They're Mm -hmm. trying to steal it. You said it earlier in the show. And when you take away the history, then we don't have any context. We can't learn from our past mistakes. You know, we did make some of But, you know, we learn from those things and we bettered ourselves each and every step along the way. And, you know, if you look at what happened in the Weimar Republic, look what happened when, uh, you know, the Nazi Germany regime started coming into power. This is exactly what they did. And so we need to learn from history and look and see. We don't need brown shirts here in America. We don't need to be burning books and taking down statues. We learn from our rich history and we become a better people. And that's where we've been going until the left has all of a sudden started to light this fire of divisiveness. And we can't allow this to happen. And so, yes, you said it, Mark. We've been comfortable as Americans. We've been comfortable as Christians. You know, we've had great, beautiful churches and freedom and all these different things over the course of my entire life, your entire life. But now we're being called and we've been raised up for a time such as this to stand for freedom, to stand for religious liberties and freedoms, democracy, our republic and our constitution and the rule of law in our nation, Mark. Absolutely, Todd. That's absolutely right. So this is our time. We're here for a time such as this. We're excited. I just want to mention one more time. We're going to talk about history in a deep, deep way next week with David Barton. He's going to sit down with us and talk about the founders, and uh, because it's unfair to look at history through the lens of 2020. We look at history, as you said, to learn from it. Right. And so we need to look at these men for who they were and what they contributed to this nation. Yes. And, so, and we're grateful for that. I am. I'm grateful for each one of them. So um, please remember to tune in next week, because David Bart is going to fill in the blanks and take away the fallacies you've been hearing about these men because he knows more about them than probably any historian on earth. He studied them his whole life. So Todd, yep. let's, let's pray for our nation and for our listeners. Yep. Um, it's a good time to do that. It is. And, and you mentioned, uh, you know, without America, there's a vacuum. Guess who fills that? China and Russia. And yeah. uh, we see how Christians are treated in those countries. So Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we are at a crossroads. Lord, I know we sound passionate today. I am passionate about the things we're talking about because we are in a very precipice moment, Lord God. This is a defining moment in our nation. What are we going to do? How are we going to move forward? How are we going to protect our children and the generations to come? What kind of world are we going to give them? So, Lord, we just pray that you would awaken those that are asleep, that you light a fire under the church, Lord God, that there would be a fire revival that comes to this nation. But, Lord, don't let it be a horrible incident that has to happen in order for us to have that revival. We pray that we would come to repentance on our our own Lord God and that we would turn from our wickedness as a nation and that we turn our eyes back to you so we just thank you for what you're going to do and we ask for your mercy your grace Lord God your wisdom and direction in Jesus name amen 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 thank you Todd well thank you for joining us and we look forward to being with you next week I'm Mark Anthony your patriot this is Todd Coconado the preacher thank you for tuning into the show God bless you